Stay with me. Stay, Stay with, with me. me. Hey, are you there? Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. I want to get away. I want to fly away in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 97, which begins with more polecats landing on the tanker. And it ends with Max finding that news of his death was greatly exaggerated. Our guests this week eat lightning and crap thunder. It's Doug Greenberg and Jason Haynes from the Rocky Minute Podcast. Witness me! What was that? Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm Jason. <laughs> Jay obviously hasn't watched the movie yet. Hello, Jason. Hello, Doug. I am very interested in what Jason thinks is going on. But to preface that question, I just want to share with our listeners that when I contacted you both, you told me that neither of you had seen this or really any Mad Max movies. And since that conversation, Doug, you watched Fury Road. I did. And Jason did not. No, sir. <laughs> it's like on a game show. No, I, no, I have not. <laughs> so, real quick, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this minute, Jason, what do you think is going on? Well, I'm guessing that through, from the title Fury Road and a lot of vehicles and they're all moving in the same direction, my guess would be that this group with uh, Shirley's Theron... Mm-hmm. Um, they are running from somewhere. They they obviously left one place and they're trying to go to another place. And there's a group of people that are trying to stop them for some reason. And I and I Fury Road Road is in there, so I'm guessing this is the road they need to take to get from a place to another place. And so for some reason, this group of characters does not want them to get there. Am I close? That's perfect. Oh, it's very astute. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well. That is exactly what's happening in this movie. All right. Thank you for having us. <laughs> it's always a gratifying feeling when you can pretty much hit the nail right on the head the first time around. I, other than, I, I have no idea what is going on here. I, these vehicles are bizarre to me. These pole things that are, were these poles designed just for this purpose to hop onto trucks? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. They've got the added bonus of being able to be used as a lookout post but Ooh. i mean really if you, all you needed was a lookout post you wouldn't have to make them swing correct yeah i think they are specially designed to gain admittance onto large vehicles yeah so what's the fancy way of saying that to uh what gain admittance <laughs> onto large vehicles isn't fancy enough yeah it's, like, <laughs> it's not it's not fancy enough take but take aerial advantage the fact that <laughs> they really have fancy. them, the fact that they have these things, these things were invented means that this isn't the first time they've had to board a tanker with a beetle on the front type of vehicle. Like they've done this, they've tried to board trucks before. Is that correct? Oh, well, yeah. So you mentioned that the vehicles are very strange to you. One reason that they're very strange is that they are a mishmash of whatever's left out in the world after the apocalypse. Oh. And we assume, we don't see, but we assume that many of these vehicles have been commandeered in a similar fashion. Okay. Using the polecats and all sorts of varieties of bizarre catching vehicles that they have. Part of the world now is like hijacking and taking vehicles to add to your fleet, right? 
and this is a f- an effective tool to uh, you know get the hijacking underway. Yeah. <laughs> Like if Nicolas Cage had one of these polecat type things in Gone in 60 Seconds, it would have been a very different kind of movie because he could just drop right into the car. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of all the fancy, you know, making keys and disabling alarms. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. There is a Cirque du Soleil show in Las Vegas. I don't know which I don't I want to say maybe Mystere. I don't know which one that has a similar type of device where the people, they climb on top of these poles, they swing around, they toss each other Isn't different poles. that word uh, George Miller? Is that the guy? That's yeah. the way the story goes. Yes, that he mm-hmm. got the idea from a Cirque du Soleil specifically? Yeah. Or was it a circus? It was one of the two. It might not have been an actual Cirque du Soleil branded show, mm-hmm. but it was probably that exact style of show. Yeah. I read um, something about him seeing street performers do it, um, but, you know, either way, he saw it somewhere and, and got the idea for it. Um, but I this this was probably one of the reasons why I didn't see Fury Road when it first came out, because I remember the trailers very specifically, and aside from you know, really not knowing what's going on. I'm like, look at these stupid things. <laughs> people, people sticking straight up in the air, swinging back and forth. And then, oh my God, there's some guy playing a guitar. How dumb is this movie? But <laughs> after watching it the other day, Jay, I kid you not, this movie has some of the best action scenes I've ever seen. Okay. I don't, I don't know why I've never seen it before. You know, like there's all there's there's like movies like you've like everybody sees movies for a reason, whether you like the the genre or the an actor that's in it or it's a you know something that a continuation of something you already liked or you know your parents or family members turned you on to it or friends. I don't know why I never saw this movie. There's nothing about it that I don't like. There's nothing about it that like I don't look at this these minutes or look at the preview for it or read about it and and be like oh, I don't want to see this. Like I it looks like something I would want to. S- see but Mm -hmm. for some reason i never watched it i I have no idea why i can sympathize for the longest time dave palace who does five minutes of mystery has been saying rick you gotta sit down and watch the john wick movies you've got to sit down watch the first one watch chapter two you gotta do it because you're gonna love it and i just never did for the longest time and then i got both of them and i sat down and i just blew through the first one and i was like oh my gosh i've got to start the second one right away and I had to split the second one over two nights because I just couldn't finish it without it being like 1 a.m. in the morning sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my gosh. yeah, I don't know why I waited so long for that one in particular. I love John Wick. John Wick 1 it is, is just a fantastic movie. 2 was good. I haven't seen 3 yet. Um, but 1 is, is an, a phenomenal movie. Ridiculous. <laughs> like, like, more ridiculous than guys sticking straight up in the air on close poles. pretty close like my wife watched it for the first time a couple months ago i was on i was like oh you gotta watch john wick and she was like halfway through she's like what what what, 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 what am i watching here like, yeah, what is happening to like this, this guy just just you know is you know kills everybody invincible but what a great movie but see i'm i i did not look up polecats mm-hmm. but, but as soon as i saw them when i watched a minute i thought of cirque du Soleil because i've seen a bunch of those shows i went to, i used to go to las vegas a lot I've seen a bunch of them, and now I'm looking it up, and I'm seeing that it was something he thought of from a Cirque du Soleil show, it says. But it doesn't say which show. I've seen the show, because I've seen these... Oh, I'm sorry. I don't even really like the curse of the show. <laughs> this is going to be tough for me. I'm really, really, really trying hard. <laughs> you got to put me through my editing. No, I'm, that's, that's it. That's the last one. <laughs> as soon as I put this on, I said, I've seen these things before in a Cirque du Soleil show. I remember it was like clowns. They were hopping from one pole to another. They were swinging each other over. 
I, I'm going to try and find the show. All right. Well, while you're looking up that stuff, we'll dive here into minute 97. And it starts off with Max fending off one of these polecats that's dropped down onto the tanker. And as he's fighting one guy, another dude drops down onto the tanker. And this guy has a chainsaw. Now, last week, we had a character who was one of these polecats. And his weapon of choice was a hedge trimmer. And I will admit, he was able to slash someone in the neck with it. It was very effective in that very specific instance. But I love the fact that this guy that we see at the top of today's minute thought to use an actually deadly Mm -hmm. piece of yard equipment instead of something that was just so, you know. It's no, it's not deadly if you don't kill someone with it. Okay, that is true. I am going to stand by what I said last week that. In the grand scheme of things, if you go after someone with a hedge trimmer, it's not going to be as deadly as if you go after them with a chainsaw. I think the thing about weapons or non-weapons that are turned into weapons by the user is it's more about the user. Mm -hmm. The hedge trimmer guy, yeah, it was only a hedge trimmer, but it's still a motorized blade. And in the hands of that particular person, at that particular time and place, he was able to kill someone. I agree with you, Julia. And you may have like this like bigger, beefier, motorized blade, but things just didn't pan out. It was a lesser weapon because it didn't get used as a weapon. Wait until next week. We'll see the return of the chainsaw. I know that Jason hasn't watched that far just yet, but yeah, this guy gets his due. It's my first time seeing the chainsaw. <laughs> now, Doug and Jason, if you guys had to pick a piece of yard equipment out of like a Home Depot shopping section, what would you choose for your post-apocalyptic weapon? Ooh. Ooh. I'd probably go with a hatchet. A chainsaw is a, a really good weapon because if you wanted to kill somebody, a chainsaw would be very easy to do that, but I figured it would be large and bulky to mm-hmm. kind of wield. Also, you have a motor to worry about. If the motor goes, then your weapon is useless. Mm. Hatchet, no motor. It's always useful. Okay. I, w- I would go with pro- maybe an no, I almost wanted to say an axe, but you have to swing that. You can't like, stab somebody with that. Yeah. I want something I could stab you with and swing at you. Hmm. And if I get you like in a, a chokehold, I could choke you out with it. What about one of those forks, those pitchfork and, things? Yeah, like a pickaxe. <laughs> oh, yeah, pickaxe. Ooh. Yeah, it's got two different kind of shaped blades, one pointy, one more right. axe-like. Hmm. Plus, you have the handle. You could choke somebody out with it. I'm into it. Okay. All right. I like it. I appreciate the non-mechanical choices because in the previous movie, Thunderdome, Max had an opportunity to choose weapons and he chose a chainsaw. He had a hard time getting it started. Mm -hmm. He finally did get it started and it ran out of fuel in what, like a minute and a half, maybe? Almost immediately. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm this. I have motors fresh in my mind because my lawnmower refuses to start. So now I have a 150 pound piece of garbage in my garage. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I am fed up to here with motored uh, you, equipment. You always have a just motorized things always give you a problem starting, yeah. and it's always at the worst, like the the worst times, like when it's going to rain in 10 minutes, and you just want to finish weed whacking before it starts raining. That's when you don't get it started. Yeah. And you got to press that little primer. bulb. A little bulb you got to press <laughs> sometimes or five times, sometimes it's eight times, sometimes it's ten times, but no more than that. If you press too much, then but it doesn't start. You also have to start it and set the choke on real low oh, it's to awful. get the motor going. Then you turn it up a little bit. Like if somebody's charging at you, who's got time to choke the motor? Right. I agree. 
I agree. I do find it a little unbelievable that this guy, the polecat guy, pulls the chainsaw off his back, starts it up immediately, mm-hmm. and then goes Never. for Furiosa. Yeah, I don't believe it. Never happens. Nope. The nice thing about the chainsaw taking so long to start up is that it gives Max time to A, notice that there's a problem, with the problem being the guy has a chainsaw and is going to attack Furiosa. He grabs the muzzle-loading rifle from one of the Vuvulini, Joy. She's the one down in the back fortification there. And she's slightly indignant about him taking her rifle away. She yells, hey, give that back sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Because she hasn't finished loading it yet. The powder is in there. The bullet's in there. Is that what she was doing at that moment? She's loading it? Yeah. Okay. While Max was fighting off these dudes, she's reloading because she shot some guy in the head and then she's got to spend all this time Uh getting all that stuff. So the powder's in there, the bullet's in there, and she's stamping everything down when Max grabs that rifle. And so when he pulls the trigger, the ramrod of the rifle fires out of the barrel, goes down the length of the tanker, and impales this guy right in the abdomen. Looks to me maybe slightly too far left to hit the heart, but definitely going through a lung Mm -hmm. with enough force to knock him over. With the speed at which everything's happening, those little, those Mm -hmm. are the little um, details. I thought he just shot him. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize there was a a projectile. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a couple of views to realize that there was some sort of, honestly, I thought it was an arrow of some kind of a bolt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I thank you for your description, Rick. I had no idea. Yeah, I got to pause right at, right at the moment it, it impales them, too. Yeah. So you would think, for people that have muzzle-loading weapons, that this would be a rare occurrence. Based on the message boards that I was reading in preparation for this episode, it's not an altogether uncommon thing to see, but it's almost always unintentional. It's always a mistake, and it's always embarrassing to tell people about Premature firing. Yeah, like you're out there running your new muzzle-loading rifle through its paces and you shoulder it up, you aim it at the target and you fire and then suddenly you see that ramrod flying out and then congratulations, you've got yourself a handsome mantelpiece but you won't be reloading it anytime soon. It doesn't look as badass as this. (laughs) (laughs) So people usually do it because they forget to pull the ramrod back out. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And... It destroys the weapon? It destroys the ramrod. The oh, okay, so if you replace the ramrod, you can... Exactly. ...ram the rod again. The way they manufacture modern barrels for muzzle-loading rifles, like, they can take the extra abuse of having that extra material in the barrel. It's not great. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to clean it really well. You might want to have a gunsmith take a look at it just to check it. But it's mm-hmm. not like it's going to blow up in your face Elmer Fudd style. Okay. I have a question. At 12 seconds, we're looking at Max. So this is Max. That's Max. Mm-hmm. That's Mel Gibson. Behind him... It's not... Oh, never mind. He's in here. <laughs> it's Mel Gibson light. Light, yeah. <laughs> Mel Gibson 2.0. <laughs> He's mutated. Tom Hardy is like the Coors light if Mel Gibson is just regular Coors. <laughs> so at 12 seconds, behind Max... There is a polecat with a dead guy on top of it? Mm-hmm. What happened to him? Do we know? So, so the polecats, <laughs> they fasten themselves to the poles for safety. So I don't remember exactly... Oh, oh the polecat is the guy. Yeah. The, there's a pole with a dead guy on top Oh, I thought the polecat was the thing. Clearly not. I'm Googling polecats in Las Vegas Cirque du Soleil shows. I should be Googling poles. 
<laughs> yeah. The pole cats are the guys that ride the poles. Oh. And they tie themselves off for safety. That way they don't slip and fall. And I think the guy that's hanging here is the one that Joy shot in the head. Oh. And okay. so he's dead. He hasn't unhooked himself. And when the pole swung back up, it just took him with it. You're right. They're harnessed to it, right? Yeah. Okay. I think some of them are harnessed. I think they have different roles. Okay. Some of them are harnessed and have heavier weapons, and some of them are not harnessed so that they can drop down onto the tanker. Ah, yeah. that makes sense, because the guys, the snatchers, need to be harnessed because they need both arms to snatch people and things. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and I makes mean, sense. They're able to unhook themselves if they need to do some boarding, but that's the lovely thing about these guys is they can attack but they can also disembark and board and all that other stuff i think they're fastened for to grab purpose to grab things people yeah yes okay so it's not a safety thing i don't think so i, thought that I don't think safety is a yeah i was gonna say it's in the wasteland post-apocalyptic world they have chainsaws <laughs> and homemade weapons and they're gonna be like no we gotta find a way to fasten ourselves and pull so we don't <laughs> fall off <laughs> Yeah, no one's wearing their seatbelts here. Yeah, right. <laughs> this guy's walking down the tanker. He's got no harness on. That's a clear OSHA violation. So go ahead. We mentioned Max strutting his way down the tanker. He's just taken out this chainsaw guy. So now he's like, okay, I'm done with what I need to do here at the end of the tanker. I'm going to go back towards the front of the rig and get back into prime striking position for helping out Furiosa. And there's this little goblin dude with a black mask hanging out between the rig and the tanker, down in the little cavity between them. And he just saw his buddy with the chainsaw get shot with a ramrod, which probably looked like an arrow to him, but mm -hmm. he's got this little arm-mounted crossbow, and his thought is, oh, I'm going to pop up, and I'm going to shoot that guy with my mini crossbow here. Right in the face. And we get some quick flashes of a little girl and then another angle of the guy in the black mask and Max throws his hand up against his head and you can see the little mini crossbow bolt sticking out of it and he falls back down to the ground. Now this mimics a vision he had earlier, correct? It does. And he, he doesn't know why at that time he puts his hand up, right? Because he, he's like confused at that time. Yeah, he was pretty confused about why he did that motion almost involuntarily. Right. And this, I think, crosses a bit of a threshold for this movie series. Never before have we seen anything even closely supernatural. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, Max had a vision, I think earlier that day, same day, where he did this motion, and now all of a sudden, he needs the motion, and he did the motion again, and it saved his life. And it's weird. I think it's cool, but it's out of place. Does he not see the guy with the crossbow? He only does that motion because he sees the flash of the little girl? And the, the crossbow, just ha it just happened to be shot at that exact time? Yes. I think he put his hand up because he saw the little girl. Okay. Hmm. All right. Supernatural, indeed. And she did the hand thing at him again. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's not the craziest thing in these three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's certainly true. Or this movie, for sure. Mm -hmm. A little bit of ghosts never hurt anybody, right? No. Sure. Well, sure. And his hand prevents the bolt from going directly into his skull. Yeah. It obviously goes clear through his hand. Mm -hmm. And it and then, sticks into his head a little bit. Yeah. Enough and, that he has to rip it out. And it shocks him 
so much that he does fall backward and he's lying there on the ground long enough for our black mask dude to crouch down reload his crossbow and then head off to the next thing on his to-do list which is to attack the rig proper and so he climbs up over the back of it and you've got the wives in the back seat there and they're all freaking out because oh hey this guy's super close we're very worried about this (laughs) and they've lost about a quarter of their ceiling their roof right Mm -hmm. okay i have a question for you guys about furiosa Mm -hmm. so from just seeing this movie once uh i kind of get the idea that immortem joe immortem what's his name immortem joe immortem joe there you go he doesn't really uh treat women um, properly I'll say as a that bit, is of, correct. bit of an understatement. <laughs> yes. Uh, if he treats women as possessions, okay, Jay? Mm-hmm. Um, he has these wives that Furiosa is helping escape. If he, if he thinks so lowly of women, why would he choose one for a leadership role? I think that's a question that we have definitely brought up before, but never really satisfactorily answered. Yeah. There is a bit of backstory about Furiosa and kind of how she came to be there. She was originally meant to be a wife, and turned out she couldn't have children, so yeah. she's of no more mm-hmm. use to him in that sense. And I think there's pretty much kind of a gap between that and now. Mm-hmm. We don't really know how. Right, because she doesn't get chucked off the citadel. Yeah, we don't really know how. She must have proven herself in some way before... It was discovered that she couldn't have children. Yeah, there's a Furiosa movie just begging to be made. Mm. And when Charlize Theron was running around doing press junkets for this movie, interviewers were asking, hey, why do you have a mechanical arm in this movie? And she was always very coy about it, like not really being able to answer because that was content that was walled off for a different story to be told possibly at a later time. Okay. I'm curious. So I think the the true answer to your question is right there next to how did she get her mechanical arm? Yeah. Right. It's not There's for us to know right now. Story out there, but nobody knows. Yeah. Okay. We would be so happy if they made a Furiosa movie. Yes. Give us more content to cover, <laughs> and I think it would be a phenomenal movie. The time is right for uh, women leads like that, like strong, powerful Absolutely. characters. So, yeah, let's have it. Yeah, I'd like to see Charlize there and get back into Furiosa's boots, especially after I think the latest movie that she did was that rom-com with Seth Rogen where she's running for president and he's her speechwriter and they like fall in love or something. Okay, I have. it's really not my kind of movie, but I appreciate that it's funny and she's funny in it. She can do funny and I appreciate that. And obviously from what we've seen in this movie... Charlize Theron can do action. Yeah. yeah. She has certainly proven that she can do action mm. many times over. I've never seen that uh, Aeon Flux, but this this is far more successful than that. Um, yeah. But that was an action movie also, wasn't that it? That was like anime-inspired sci-fi. Garbage. What was the yeah. movie she did? I think it was after Fury Road. It was an action movie. It was pretty much... Oh, you mean Atomic Blonde? Yes, it was pretty much like a female James Bond. <laughs> Called Atomic Blonde? Yeah. Yeah. She had a... I heard that that was wig. phenomenal. Wow, really? I think. It's on our to-watch list. <laughs> it is on our to-watch list. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Somewhere towards the bottom of it, I hope. 
I don't even know. We've got I have a long to watch list myself. Yeah, we've got a long to watch list just based off of these movies alone. Mm-hmm. Not to mention casually watching these things. But I'm pretty sure in the movie Atomic Blonde, she gets to do cool stuff like what she does here, where she grabs this knife that she keeps hidden in the shifter of the rig. She pulls it out, and then as the black mass goblin guy fires his mini crossbow and just completely whiffs it, like he misses like by a country mile, but she pulls that knife out and she throws it at him and she nails him right in the shoulder, which allows the other Vuvalini there, Jillian, to drag him down away and toss him clear off the side of the war rig, which would be great if he didn't grab onto that pipe thing. Yeah, the... Head of that knife looks like a like a shoulder bone or like a, a femur. Yeah. That is by design. Yeah. I'm sure it is. <laughs> so is the knife itself um carved out of the bone? Or is it just the handle? From what we've seen, it's just the handle that's bone. Hmm. Embedded in that handle is like an actual metal blade. Blade, right, okay. Yeah. So this guy's hurting, despite the fact that he's able to hang on. Yeah. These um women that are in the truck with her, they're the wives. Mm-hmm. No. Oh. Oh yes. The, not the old. Not the, not the older women. Yeah. No. These these younger women in, in the cab here with Charlize. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the young women in the back seat. Those are Immortan Joe's wives. They're the ones that are kept captive as breeding stock. And their escape from Immortan Joe's clutches is the crux of this movie. Okay. Like Charlize mm-hmm. Theron has, at their request, taken them away from the dictator, and her job is to keep them away. Do I, is he in any of these three minutes? Oh, in Morton Joe? Just, just a yeah. flash of him. Yes, we oh, do. Yeah. We're going to see him today. Okay. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> can I guess which one is him? Certainly. Do you have to go through the whole minute? No. You said we're going to see him, so we haven't seen him yet? No, we haven't seen him yet. Uh, I would... So much happens in this minute. <laughs> I, wait, I have an idea. I'm just waiting for six more seconds. <laughs> Is it the guy with the blonde hair and the mask on and the thing just covering his mouth? Yeah. The metal thing? That is him to Ooh. a T. I, I, I guess he looking. holds up, I guess when they get the one girl back on the pole and he brings up everything, he holds up like one finger. Is that like him saying he got one back and they're trying to yep. get them all back? I believe so. Oh my God. This is, I got to figure it out. <laughs> one down, three to go. <laughs> Jay doesn't even need to watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> he is nailing it. Gosh. All right. So with Black Mask Goblin out of the way, mm-hmm. they think that they're out of the woods, and this polecat swoops down and grabs Zoe Kravitz by the wrist. That's toast to the knowing. And she's had, over the course of this movie, an attitude about her that she knows more or better than other people around her, because she's always, like, calling people out for things, it feels like. Toast to the knowing. And... She gets grabbed here by the wrist, and then the next thing you know, this polecat has her underneath the armpits, and he just plucks her right out. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Earlier in this movie, like, she pulled out a knife, and she was ready to chop some guys. This was back in the, uh, I think, either the nighttime scene or when one of the other wives was running away. Like, I half expected her to put up some kind of a fight instead of just getting completely blindsided like this. I think that it's tough to be too critical. Because from her point of view, yeah, th- there's a moment where she's just kind of watching him come down at her. She doesn't move or anything, and I, I definitely kind of fault her a bit for that. But the actual grabbing of her and taking of her, those polecats have a lot of strength in the rebound. 
Mm-hmm. I think he had a lot of power pulling her up in a way. Now, I do call out <clears throat> George Miller and Margaret Sixel because in one second, he's got her by the wrist. Mm-hmm. And then in the very next second, he's got her under the arms. Turned no, around. Not only that, but he has his left hand is holding her right arm. So it would be practical. Like, he can't turn her around like that. He would. Yeah. It would have to be a cross grip. He would have to be... His other hand would have to be good. Because you have to spin her in some right. way. But if I'm holding my left arm and your right wrist, how would I spin you... To get under my... To get under your arms like that. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make... It, doesn't, it wouldn't work like that. Is that why you're criticizing the editors? Yeah, that's why I'm criticizing the editors. She made some cuts to hide a transition that had to happen. There was no way he was actually going to pull her out of the vehicle and over to another vehicle just by the wrist. So that transition had to happen, but it didn't happen in a realistic way, and it was edited so that it didn't really happen at all. Mm-hmm. But it's cut so fast, too, like unless you're slowing, slowing it down the way we are, you're, you're not going to probably notice that, right? That's why we do this. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> they didn't think that we would notice. But we noticed. <laughs> Do you think when they, made, when they made this and edited and made these cuts that they were in any world, they were going to be sitting around going like, "Do you think anyone's ever going to analyze these minute by minute into a podcast?" But no, <laughs> I didn't think this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> However, this polecat gets toast turned around. He plucks her out of the war rig, and she's kicking and screaming all the way. And he drops her down daintily onto the back of Immortan Joe's chariot. That's lovingly referred to as the Giga Horse. And waiting there to receive toast, the giant guy on the left is Joe's son, Rictus Erectus. And the guy on the right, the shorter one, is one of Joe's prime impurators. So that Rectus Erectus is that seven foot monster trying yeah. to keep this clean, remember? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. Uh, yeah, that guy's like seven feet tall from what I read. This is the guy behind him? The bald guy? No, he, oh, he's receiving toast. It's <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sure a man that large receives a lot of toast. Yeah. <laughs> you see him coming at the Continental Breakfast. You get your food <laughs> now because it's toast. not going to be there much longer. Shut her down. He is the guy in the back of the car on the car on the car who's, except, who's taking her from the polecat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The one with the backpack. Yeah. Car on the car on the car. <laughs> we have a, um, at work, we have a cleaner who comes in and cleans the building every day. And he wears like a, a vacuum backpack where the vacuum, the filter, oh, the whole thing is on his back. And he just holds a hose. It looks like this guy. <laughs> this guy to, to a giant vacuum. Uh, it's industrial. Well, like we mentioned, Joe is sitting inside of the Giga Horse, and as he notices that one of his wives has returned to his vehicle, he holds up one finger, denoting that he has retrieved one out of the remaining four wives that he has, and we cut back to Max, who is lying there, probably not sure if he's dead or not, and he gets another vision of glory as he opens his eyes, and Joy is crawling over to him, trying to get him to move and wake up and get moving. And she's not able to really snap him out of it before another polecat drops down. And so Joy turns and starts fighting this guy. And if you watch her in the background, she's not doing great against this guy because he's just kind of shoving her around and kicking at her and whatnot. But Joy will be fine. She will be coming back. So it's not like she's permanently taken out here. It's not like we lose another one of the 
Vuvalini in these minutes. But Max she sits up. She stalls him enough. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But Max sits up and he pulls his hand away and he realizes, oh, I'm not dead at all. The bolt thing barely went through my hand at all. I've got like a little scar there, but it's not even bleeding that bad. Now he he snaps it off. So there is a little sliver of the bulb in his forehead. Am I incorrect about that? It out, maybe? I think he just pulled it out because mm. if you look at the back of his hand, the point is sticking out just like ever so slightly. Is that point? On the back of his hand. Yeah, okay. Oh, see that that mark on his forehead I thought was a little piece. I thought he snapped it off and a little piece of the bolt was still stuck in his head. Like mm-hmm. it like it just pierced his skin and maybe lodged itself in his skull but didn't go through. So why he's just pulling out? No, I think it just nicked him. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Like the important thing is that he doesn't have it like in his yeah. brain right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, that, that's, that's you know, really a number one. <laughs> it's been a rough couple of days for that hand specifically because earlier in this movie, that hand was crushed between a door frame and a steering wheel. Hmm. At speed. Oh. His left hand has seen better days, but there's no time for him to worry about boo-boos or anything like that because he has to hop to his feet and take care of the polecat guy that has dropped down onto the tanker with what looks like an ice pick and a road sign for a shield, and he is going for the rig. So Max has to take care of this guy before he can worry about himself. I know we're running a little late on time, but maybe maybe next minute. Can we get into the, the background of the polecats, or did you guys do that already? Uh, we can get into them next minute, sure. Okay, so I read some interesting stuff on it. Cool. So here at the end of the minute, before we go, Jason and Doug, could you tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff on the internet. Uh, Yeah, we are the hosts of a little show called Rocky Minute. We have completed two seasons, Rocky 1 and Rocky 2, going through the movies minute by minute. We are on the Doing Genre Network. We are part of that little family over there that hosts a whole bunch of other movies by minute shows and other other original programming by Scott Corelli. But uh, yeah, doinggenre.com is where you can find us or you can go to iTunes or any of your other podcatchers. Look up Rocky Minute, and we are the only ones called that. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. You've got the market cornered, so to speak. That's right. That's right. We also have a a listeners group on Facebook called Mighty Mix. So if you want to come, that's where most of the action takes place, the conversations and whatnot. Excellent. As for us, we will be coming back on Wednesday when Max will fight some war boys on the hood of the war rig. Furiosa is going to get the prison yard treatment, and Nux is going to put in that hard work and get Engine 1 back up and running. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 97 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.